Thanks for listening to the Habits and Hustle podcast made possible by your friends at Trinayogen. So I've been a huge fan of Trinayogen for years, and that's why I am so excited to be partnered with them. I literally don't miss a day taking it and think if you're going to take any supplement, this is the one. And here's why, with of course an added science lesson for you. Our bodies produce a molecule called NAD, which supports energy production that starts in your cells. But the levels sadly decline up to 50% between the ages of 40 and 60. A nutrient that can help increase our NAD is a form of vitamin B3 called nicotinamide riboside, or otherwise known as NR. The most efficient, proven, and safe way to get this is with Trunagen because it is the best NAD precursor. Trunagen helps support our bodies against everyday stressors that can damage our cells like overeating, drinking, and staying up too late. In my opinion, no one is too young to take it. I wish I knew about this in my early 30s. It would have been a game changer. What's most amazing is that Trunagen is backed by over 200 published scientific studies and is researched by the world's top scientific institutions. So go check it out at trunagen.com. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. And we have a special offer for new customers to receive 20% off all orders of $100 or more using the code HUSTLE20 until December 31st, 2022. So definitely run, don't walk, to scoop some up today. Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on Habits and Hustle, we have Cassie Holmes. Cassie is a professor at UCLA's Anderson School of Business and is an award-winning teacher and researcher of time and happiness. And she is the author of a new book called Happy Hour. It's based on Cassie's years of academic research and a wildly popular MBA course called Happy Hour. It really provides practical information of how to think about and spend time to live a more joyful life. I read this book. I really enjoyed it. I like anything that gives you really actionable things that you can really integrate right away. And this book really did it. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this podcast. So enjoy. By the way, I didn't even realize how impressive you really are in your bio until you came over, but uh, we're going anyway. I mean, we're started already, just in case oh. you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you are, you went to Stanford Business, you were a Wharton professor. Um, now you teach business, uh, you teach the MBAs at UCLA and you're teaching a happiness class and a course that you basically created, yeah. right? And your new book or, and not only new book, but you know, your debut book. First book. First book. super excited about. Right. And it's a, it's a, it's a good one. It's called Happier Hour. And I was just saying to you before we even like started, I love this topic. I love when people come on this podcast and talk about happiness and happiness research and how to, you know, make the best of your life. And I, your book was, and because of your background, your book has some, I, I, I trust it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. given the fact of like what you do, you're a researcher and everything else. And it's based on data and not just my opinion, nor experience. Although I share my experience and stories to make the data yeah. more relatable. But it is all based off of research. Yeah. Mine which, as well as my colleagues. Which is great. And that's why that's why I can trust it. And that's why I wanted to have you on. It's because it is science-backed. It's research-backed. And so who better else to have 
on on to talk about it. So let's like jump like right in. So I, I'm a, like, what really kind of caught my eye is that I'm somebody who always feels, because your book is called Happier Hour, um, that there's never enough time in the day. I constantly <laughs> feel like, you know, we both have kids who are exactly the same age, seven and nine, that's two kids. Plus we're both working moms. I'm always feel like hectic. I feel there's not enough time. I feel rushed. And I feel like that's most people in the world, right? It's a lot. And actually what you're describing, this feeling of having too much to do and not enough time to do it is what we call in research time poverty. So you feel time poor. And I've actually done research on this to show just how prevalent it is. Yeah. So we conducted a national poll and we found that almost 50% of Americans don't feel like they have enough time to do all they set out to do. And some people, so moms tend to feel more time poor than dads. Working parents tend to feel particularly impoverished, but all types of people lack for time, right? That like, you know, even folks who don't have kids, folks who are not working, you see this sense of having a hectic pace of life with too much to do and not enough time to do it. And it's actually also a global phenomenon. So surveys show that across the world, people, um, there are many people that feel this way. And it's bad, and I'm sure you can relate to this, mm -hmm. as a mom who has your career <laughs> and you're rushing around with like yeah. a million things on your to-do list, um, it is costly. Um, and our research shows that. So we sh find that people who feel time poor are less healthy. So we're less likely to make the time to exercise. You though carve out the time to do it. And I try to as well. Um, <laughs> it's important to me. And you talk about that in the book. Too, totally. So. Um, it makes us less healthy. It makes us less nice. So when we're rushing around, we're less likely to slow down and help others out. It makes us less confident. So we feel less able to accomplish all that we do set out to do. And related to my research and what I care most about is happiness. When we feel time poor, we experience less positive emotion, more negative emotion, so more stress, more worry. Um, and so we're less happy. And that's a bummer. Time poor. I like that name. It's true. It's very accurate. So then how do we manage our time better? Because it seems like it's much more about time management than really anything. And I think, you know, that's a skill, right? That people are either sometimes better at than other people. Um, I'm actually not that great at it. I mean, it's weird because I am a very type A personality and most people like that are much more like do, 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 do. But I can get like lost in things. Like maybe it's more my, I also have ADD. So like I like focus on something too long or whatever. And I think again, what I'm saying is something that a lot of people deal with, right? Like maybe poor time management. So how do we create a situation for ourselves where we can be more time efficient with our, like be more efficient with our time and manage, learn to manage our time better? Yeah. And it's such a good and important question. Um, and I just want to sort of flip that because what happier hour is all about and what my research and what I've been sort of set out to do for the last 12 years in my research and then what I teach our MBAs um, is that it's actually, you shouldn't 
be driven, or I don't want to use shouldn't because that sounds all judgy. Um, it's okay. More, judge away. <laughs> more joy comes from our time when it's driven by what's worthwhile rather than just efficiency. And I think so often we are driven to get things done because we want to be productive. We mm -hmm. are doers. That's true. Right? Exactly. Um, but with respect to time management, it really is about investing more of your time in what's worthwhile. And we can talk about what's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, and less of your time uh, in wasteful ways. And I, that is absolutely not me being judgy. And I can talk about how you can identify for yourself what are more wasteful ways to spend. So that you're maximizing worthwhile time, minimizing wasteful time, so that at the end of the day, you know, that crazy day where you're rushing around, you're not like reflecting back and being like, man, I'm exhausted and I did a lot, but I feel like nothing actually got done. And instead you're like, oh, that was really fulfilling. I'm exhausted, but I'm satisfied. And so it's a really about how to make your days feel fulfilling, not just overly full. Um, and it is about management. And I'll actually talking, going back to even your framing of the question, you refer to it as a skill and it is a skill, but it's one that can be learned. So it's not like you're going to tie you know, how you deal with time and, you know, I am not. It is. And that's actually really what my course is about. So what I teach at Anderson uh, at UCLA among our MBA students is a course that is called Applying the Science of Happiness to Life Design, which is exactly that. So based off of the science, there are things that we can, we can be informed in our decisions of how should we invest our time um, so that you feel happy in the day-to-day -day and more satisfied when you're evaluating your life overall. So I called it a skill. I called time management a skill very... Um, very deliberately, right? Yeah. Because I believe in what I do and what I talk about um, on the podcast and outside the podcast is a skill is something that it can be learned by anyone, right? Okay. Like I think there's talent and there's skill. Skill, it's practice, right? Anyone could get better at something if they practice and if they kind of are, they want to get better, right? They may not be proficient and become an expert necessarily, but they can always get better to what from what they were. Um, so what are some tools that people can do? Um, are, are, do you have like strategies or tools where totally. we can become better with this? Yeah. Okay. And so I love now that you've, um, sort of shared your, your use of the word skill. It's absolutely a skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you Good. I'm glad. I'm glad, you I, I'm glad that you, uh, also agree. It yeah. Is, yeah. So, um, Figuring out how to spend your time for uh, to feel sort of more fulfilled. There are strategies, and the book is um, all about those strategies. So I give exercises that are the same assignments that I give to my students. And some of them are about reflecting back to identify how are you spending your time and sort of pulling out, calling out what are those ways for you personally that you spend that are worthwhile. So what are those ways that feel satisfying while you're doing it, that looking back feel, um, feel good? 
and also, what are those ways that <laughs> are wasteful that you're like, oh my gosh, I am spending my time in this way and a lot of time. So let me describe. So for instance, one of the exercises is time tracking. And so what uh, uh, I sort of instruct you to do is over the course of a week, and I would actually suggest two weeks because it is a more sort of complete representation of the activities that fill your day-to-day life, is track each half hour writing down what are you doing, what's the activity, and not sort of a broad like, I'm working, or I'm with my family. It's like being more specific. But in addition to writing down what you're doing, really importantly, is rating on a 10-point scale how satisfying, how happy, how joyful is that activity. Um, And with that, at the end of the week, or the two weeks, you have your own personalized data. So you can look across all of your activities. What are those activities Mm -hmm. that are closer to the tens? Right. What are those activities that are like inevitably twos and threes? And also, as you look at the sort of most happy and least happy activities, you can even pull out what are dimension, like commonalities among the most happy, commonalities among the least happy, and that can actually be quite revealing. Um, And you can see how much time you're spending on these types of activities. So you can see, for instance, and um, like in line with actually what the time tracking research shows, uh, in looking at what my students have pulled out, the commonalities of their happiest times, inevitably it involves social connection, like genuine mm-hmm. connection with other people. Um, and I mean, this, if you're talking about the sort of research into happiness, that is the most sort of fundamental need that we have beyond like our physiological needs of like, you need to have shelter, you need food, you need water, you need rest and health. But beyond that, like our most basic fundamental psychological need is a sense of belonging and connection. Um, And when people are reflecting and looking at their data, um, that's what you sort of pop out. And you can also see like, it's not like all socializing feels really connecting, but you can see for yourself, like I know that my connection, my sort of happiness comes from one-on-one conversations. Like right, right, right. I want to learn about you and I want to share about me. Like it's that one-on-one connection. Whereas like my son, the most extroverted person in the world, he's like, the more people in the room, the better. The more people that I can make laugh, the better. And it's not about that. One Less of, about the one more of a deeper. You're talking more deep connections. Like what you're saying is, I agree. Like with me, I prefer like one on one deep, like kind of like intimacy in a way. But yeah. in a way, um, while there's other people who much more are more grandiose, and it's like they are more surface uh, relationships or social connection. Yeah, and is that kind I, of. Perhaps. I mean, I would say that my son doesn't view it as surface. He views that as like his source of like happiness and joy. I was going to say, my husband is very much like your son and he doesn't see it that way either. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just see it that way because I don't like to talk about the weather. I don't like to talk about like superb, like, like I think they're superfluous things. Right. But if you ask someone who is an extrovert like that, they don't think it is. Right. Yeah. But and all the people I've had on the podcast and all the research experts and, and, and happiness experts, I should say, um, and people who live the longest like for longevity, it always, you know, 
comes down to social connection to some capacity, right? Mm -hmm. Like having a community, having a social connection. So this is not like this to me is like, yeah, of course it's going to be social connection because yeah. it's way above and beyond. Um, it's like the most, it's, it's the, it, it truly is. It's the, it's the thing that kind of like fills us the most oh, at, like at the end of the day. Right. Totally. And what's really, um, important and impactful from this time tracking exercise is that a you can identify for yourself what is the what are the activities or the types of activities mm -hmm. that make you feel particularly connected and give you that sense of belonging right but also it's quite illuminating to see like you're like you know we, as we all reflect back and you know your folks that you've spoken to and the research all shows social connection is the answer but in our crazy busy lives as people are looking at how they spend their weeks yeah it's like those happy connections like meeting up with yeah. your sister for dinner or like or meeting up with friends for drinks like we have busy lives and we're like I don't have time for that, right. right? But also what you see in this data is like, we don't have time or we don't make time for those really important, fulfilling ways of spending. Yet you can see like in the data that you're spending, not you, my students yeah, observe no, I, that I, they're I spending saying, yeah. a whole lot of time in ways that are wasteful. Like Totally. Social media. <laughs> like social media. It, it's, it's more distractibilities. Like it's just distractions. Like social right. media, like you're saying, these are time sucks that like put you through a rabbit hole that you don't even know you're really doing at the moment. Right. And then, but once you have the data in front of you, you're like, holy cow, right. I am a busy person. I don't have time to totally. um, cultivate these really important relationships, but I spent a dozen hours this week on social media. Like that is helpful. That's good information. So then you can be like, okay, going forward, I will make the time to meet up with friends for dinner and I will not like it's even that data, that information that is so concrete and vivid. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm not going to pick up my phone and check real quick, you know, of, uh, what's happening on, you know, the feed. Exactly. So it's like the time tracking is a really great tool then because it shows you in real time what you were doing and how, you know, you do have time. Like that's what kills me when people are like, oh, I don't have time to work out. Really? You don't have time to work out, but you have time to like just scroll your phone and, right. you know, like dilly dally. I mean, we all do it, right? Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is like, that's what, but this is again, back going back to being more, um, basically, managing your time better. Right. Totally. And that time tracking helps you manage your time. Yeah. But does it help with like, does it at the end of the day, it may help with like what I find happens a lot, even with myself is sometimes you can have all the data in the world. Right. And I mm -hmm. know exactly what I'm doing wrong, but then the execution to fix it is where you get stuck. Like yeah. I still get distracted by social media, even though I know it's a time suck and I don't want to be on it. Right. I can't help myself. Well, yeah. You can't. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I could, but yeah. I, I, but you it's know. helpful. It's important to have the, the reminder. So it's like you have the data that's really vivid. And then um, there are other exercises that I have that is the get moving exercise. Mm -hmm. So basically, this is totally up your alley of the importance of exercise. And when I ask people to complete the sentence, I don't have time to. Things that people say are exercise. They don't have enough time to get enough sleep. They don't have enough time to read for pleasure. They don't have enough time to cultivate the relationships that, you know, the 
hang out with the people yeah, that they right. love so much. But exercise is one of these things that it is absolutely worth making time for because it is a mood booster. Um, it actually, because um, what time poverty is, is this feeling of having too much to do and not enough time to do it. But what exercise does by increasing a sense of self-efficacy and self-esteem, it actually increases your confidence of being able to complete and accomplish what you set out to do. So, um, you know, running that thread, it actually makes you feel like you have more time. Mm -hmm. It limits or it sort of lessens that sense of like, oh, I'm limited because I don't have time. You know, when you make the time to do go for your morning run or when I make the time to go for my morning run, even though I'm like, oh, do I have the time? I don't have the time, but I make myself do it. Then I'm ready. Like, I'm like, bring it on day. Mm -hmm. Like, I can do all of those things that I want to do. I totally, not only do I agree with you, I I have a book coming out soon um, about, I love that you said self, like I saw that in the book too, the word self-efficacy. And I think that the fitness thing, the top, the, the, the correlation is so on point because with all the research that I even did with this stuff, because, um, it's fitness to me or exercise, I should say, isn't about doing the squat or the lunge necessarily. It's about what the after effects are from that particular, you know, thing is that you're doing yeah. the self-esteem, the self-confidence, the feeling that you actually, the product, the feeling of productivity mm-hmm. that you get from it, that allows all those are the app, like the byproducts that will help you throughout your day with all the other stuff you're trying to like conquer. Totally. But, and you said something that I wanted to ask you about. Um, you talk about this like two to five hour thing that I thought was really, really like, um, I, I thought was really interesting that, Anything, you know, you feel, well, you could talk about it, but talk, tell us about this whole two to five hours of free time is the sweet spot of of time, man, of not time, of a happier hour. So the two to five hour. Great. And um, before I do, I just want to say like, yes, on the importance of exercise as well as sleep actually Mm. as, and I talk about that from the time tracking it's not one of those exercise or activities that necessarily pops up as really Im- important for your happiness because some people don't actually feel all that happy when they're exercising. But what you do see mm-hmm. is following exercise, you see the ratings increase. So it is like I call them mood boosters where ex- doing exercise, getting enough sleep, not it's not so I mean, it's not as much about how you're feeling while doing it. Right. It's really it colors all of your subsequent activities in the day. So it is absolutely worth the investment. Um, but wait, I like that. You said yeah. that because I think that's exactly what I say too, that it's not, do you think I want to be doing a squat and a lunge and run for every morning or whatever I'm like you, you run every morning. I mean, in the moment of doing it, it's not, you're not doing it for that half hour that you're exercising, but a day is 24 hours, right? But the after effects again, throughout the, at the 23 hours or the 48 hours or the week, that's what your that's what the aim and the goal is. It's not for that like finite 30 minutes, totally, right? So yeah. But it's like, it's like a mind shift that people have to understand, right? It's not, it's like one of those things where people don't understand, like you, you don't know, unless you know, you have to kind of go through it to 
understand in a way. Yeah. And it's not like, so my book is called Happier Hour, but it's not about like hour. every single hour. It is about all of our hours. Like right. our hours sum up to our weeks, our days, you know, our days, weeks, decades, life. And so it's like to the extent that you can invest your time in ways that color all of your, that make this, you know, some of your hours, that is your life right. happier. That's worth the investment. With platforms like Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, you work so hard to build your following only at the whim of an algorithm. One tweak to that algorithm and you no longer are able to reach the engaged audience that you work so hard to build. Boy, don't I know that to be true, right? While simple texting, you can stop renting your audience and actually start owning it. While emails might go to spam or get filtered as promotions, texts are virtually always read. And texts have a 98% open rate and actually a 30% click-through rate. That is amazing. The best part is it's as easy as sending a text to a friend when you use simple texting. It only takes a couple minutes to set up your account and you can start sending now. Simple texting plans start at $29 per month, but if you start our free trial this month, they will give you 500 free credits to see what texting can do for your business. And all you need to do is go to simpletexting.com slash habits to start your free trial. That's simpletexting.com slash habits to start your free trial now. So go, what are you waiting for? So getting back to the sweet spot yes, of time spot. <laughs> is you're you saying between two and five hours is the sweet pot, a sweet spot for um, feeling time affluent, right? Is that more well, or less? Kind of. So the, the motivator for this particular um, uh, research was we wanted to see, and it actually stemmed from going back to your initial question of like, so all of us, I mean, so many of us feel time poor. And I um, start the book by sharing, you know, like one of those days that I was running around. I was earlier in my career when I was a professor at Wharton and I had just had our son, um, like he was four months old and I agreed to give a talk up in New York. And so I'm like, get up early, like miss my morning snuggles and then in back-to-back meetings, give this presentation and then going to this networking dinner and rushing to get the last train that will get me home to my son. And I remember that night on the train, I was exhausted. I did make the train. I was exhausted and I was like looking out the window and it's like everyone's asleep as you know, like the houses are whizzing by and it's so dark and I'm like, and it's like, it's all going so fast. Right. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep up. And at that time I was like, I think I need to quit my career because it's just all too much and I can't keep up. And there's this career that I love and work so hard for. Um, and then I was like, thinking I was like, if I quit, then I can move to like a sunny Island and spend my days relaxing. And wouldn't I be happier? Um, but that question of would I be happier? Would we be happier if we had a whole lot more free time in our day was something that as a researcher I could test. And so I did, I did, I decided like, let me hold off on my decision to quit and see would would we be happier if we had a whole lot more time? And so we analyzed data 
Um, we conducted a bunch of studies, including analyzing data from the American Time Use Survey. And what that does is it looks for tens of thousands of working and non-working Americans how they spend a particular day. And from that, we calculated how much time they spend on discretionary activities. So we could see what's the relationship between how much discretionary time people have and their happiness. And what we found was really interesting and surprising. So this is the two to five hours that you are mentioning. What we did find not surprising because that was me on the train and that was motivated your opening question. With too little time, too little discretionary yeah. time, we are unhappy. So less than about two hours or data in that data set, it suggests less than about two hours of discretionary time in the day. We are less happy. What was surprising was beyond having about five hours of discretionary time in the day, we are also unhappy. And that is also mm -hmm. like, do not quit. Like, don't quit your job. And the reason for that is getting back to some of the themes we've been talking about already is like, we want to be productive. We want to have a sense that we're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And so if we have like days and days, like a regular days on end with nothing that feels worthwhile that right. we produce, then actually you see that dip in sense of purpose and less satisfaction. But between about two and five hours of discretionary time in the day, you see actually it's pretty flat. And so that means that it's not so much about how much time you have, it is how you invest it. And this is like so helpful in so many ways because it means that for us that are time poor, a don't quit, particularly if your job is a source of, you know, satisfaction and productivity makes you feel purpose. Right. Um, but two hours isn't totally out outside of the realm of possibilities. Like actually at that time I was like, there's no way two hours in the day, there's like no way. But once you actually calculate in your day, how much time, like what are those ways of spending that you wouldn't have wanted to spend in any other way? So you have kids, like there are, I'm sure there are also like ways, like ways of spending with them that you're like, hmm, not as fun. But mm -hmm. Those like moments and not only moments, like, you know, the 20 minutes where you're like digging in, I don't like, or I can speak for myself, like reading to, you know, at the end of the day, those like, you know, as we're in bed, putting them to sleep, that reading, this thing, like it's those like really, that's 20 minutes there, even though commuting, not very fun, but talking during my commute to like my best friend, that is time that I love at dinner when I, you know, pour myself a glass of wine and I'm chatting with my husband about our day, those things add up. So it's like I'm at an hour and a half of ways that there's no other way I would have wanted to spend that time. Right. So two hours isn't totally outside of the realm of possibilities. So it doesn't have to be consecutive. It could be just throughout right. the day, right? So yeah. like as long as it adds up between two hours and five hours, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 26 minutes here, 10 minutes there, as long as it, throughout the day you're getting that time. And then you talk about like uh, the strategy of bundling, right? Like yeah. if you are like, like maybe doing it, is that, I'm not sure. What is the bundling yeah. strategy? And actually before we move on to bundling, bundling, it's really important to recognize that those two to those ways, the, the times that you're spending in those ways that mm -hmm. are like happy times, it's also paying attention during those times. So mm -hmm. it's not just doing the activity, right? Yeah. It is paying attention uh, during those activities. Right. We are so distracted. 
Um, so research shows that we, our mind is somewhere else other than what we're doing right. almost half of the time. And, you know, like our cell phones, our smartphones, that is a major source of distraction. So if, you know, you only have these, you know, an hour and a half or two hours of like time that you're spending in exactly how you want to be spending it. Right. Pay attention during it so that you get all the happiness that's right, sort of right. potential and right there in front of you and try to the extent possible, remove distractions by putting your phone away during those times. It's not like put your phone away always, but for those happiest ways of spending, like make them no phone zones. So phone goes away. To the extent possible, try to quiet, you know, our to-do list that's like running through our heads constantly. But how do we do this? This is all, again, nice in theory. How do we do it in reality? Um, so another exercise <laughs> that helps in doing this, it also might bring a tear, is um, counting times left. So for these sort of things that bring you joy. Yeah. Um, if you reflect back over the last week, you know, you're like, what are those moments where you felt most joy? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it is with the people that you love so much. Um, and it's like a very mundane, oftentimes everyday experience. And what happens is because they're so everyday, we think they'll continue to happen every day. And so we take them for granted. Mm -hmm. Like we don't pay as much attention. Right. But... If you count the times you have left, and so that includes, so for me, for instance, um, a coffee date with my daughter. I this is like a thirty minutes within the week that I love. Like it what is. What do you do? I thought you do a nail date. Well, today I'm going to go on a nail date with my daughter. The coffee date happens in the morning, and we do it once a week. Um, and it is something that what could be very routine and like thoughtless, it is was actually stemmed out of me needing a cup of coffee on the way of dropping her, you know, at preschool. And so something that's very functional routine, what we did was we turned it into a ritual. So it became special. Um, and it is special. And it's like in that specialness, it's like we know exactly what to expect. So we anticipate it while we're in, you know, she has her hot chocolate. I have my coffee. My phone is away. I am paying attention. Like this is our 30 minutes of like us with each other. And then. Where do you guys go? Do you guys do it at home? Do you guys go to no, Starbucks? No, we go to a coffee shop. Okay. Um, living in Westwood, Profeta was our coffee shop. And I love it. Oh, yeah. It's no longer there, right? Or no, is it? it's there. Oh, it's there still? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and it's delicious and yummy. And they probably would not enjoy having, you know, a seven-year-old come. But they have come to appreciate us and expect us on the mornings of our coffee date. What day do you, I mean, I, like, give me more Thursday details. Mornings. Thursday mornings. Mm -hmm. Before work? Or what is your routine? Or, uh, sorry, ritual? Yes. It is. Um, and it all sort of stemmed out of dropping uh, Leo off, his carpool off, and then we uh, go get our coffee. And hot chocolate. I, and she gets her hot chocolate. We get our croissants. It is delightful. And then I drop her off, and then I go into work. I and love so that. That's a great ritual. It is, it is really important. And actually going back to this, the sort of overarching takeaway from those results of that sort of two to five hours, it highlights that it's not 
about how much time you spend. It's really how you spend mm -hmm. that time. So those 30 minutes, it's not a lot, but it is so impactful as to my sense of satisfaction because like my closeness with my daughter is like, I, you know, am I happy? Yes. Am I busy? Yes. But why am I happy? Because I have these wonderful relationships that I love so much. I feel a sense of connection. I feel belonging. And it comes from being, creating these special moments. And going back to the times left exercise in calculating. So like, say I included the coffee dates when she, I was on maternity leave. So I'd like bundle her up and we go to the coffee shop. Then our weekly coffee dates. Um, I, and then I actually think forward, how many of these coffee dates do we have left? Not a lot because, you know, when she's 12, she's not going to want to go to the coffee yeah. shop with me. She's going to want to go with her friends. And then yeah. she's going to go off to college. And then she's going to move to a different city and live in New York like I did, you know. And then it will be on visits. And so I calculated that we have 30% of our coffee dates in our entire life left. And she's only seven. And what does that make me do? It makes me spend the time. It makes me carve out and like prioritize spending that time. Yeah. But it also makes me put my phone away. So it's like we do have choice. Like when we have these very vivid reminders of just how precious our time is and can be, that's the motivation you need to be like, oh, yeah, I know I meant to put my phone away, but you're like, oh, my gosh, we don't have a lot of this mm -hmm. left. So, yes, like I will put my phone away. So thinking of time in terms of um, not just years, what would it be like? Not just hours, but finite, like, yeah, amounts of time that we have, like calculating the, the math behind the particular thing that you want to do. And when you see that number, like visually, like, oh, I only have 20 more dinners with this thing. Cause you know, a, a friend of mine does this very well. Um, he, he created this thing called build your own, uh, what's it? Uh, build your own resume. Jesse Itzler is all about like time management with this mm -hmm. thing, which I think is a really smart idea because it, it shows you in front of you how many of X, whatever it is you want to do, you have left. And so then you're kind of like in a good way forced to put things on your calendar. So they actually get done otherwise, totally. right. Otherwise yeah. they're just like ideas and, and dreams in your head or like, I will do this one day. And that one day comes and you've never done it, you know, like. Totally. Yeah. And it's so important because, again, like our hours sum up to our lives, but you need like by recognizing just how finite the amount of time in our life is that you're not thinking about the stresses of like hour to hour. You're actually thinking about what's the life that I want to lead. Yeah. And that brings and you reverse back. engineering. You're basically totally. like working backwards. Yeah. And once you identify what are those times of joy, those yeah. really worthwhile ways of spending, then I have a whole chapter in Happier Hour called Time Crafting. So based mm -hmm. off of all this reflection and these strategies that I give throughout the book, mm -hmm. how do you actually design your week's schedule so that you are putting those 
most worthwhile activity. Like my coffee date with my daughter gets in that calendar first. No matter what. Meetings get scheduled around it. It is a non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. Um, and then like also like even, you know, work there, there are work hours that are like that big, you know, the big thinking, the strategizing mm-hmm. for me, it's like the sort of deep thinking of like, what are the learnings from the work and mm-hmm. how do I sort of relay that? Um, but we have these sort of parts of our work days that are, are really joyful because they're sort of aligned with our purpose and our long-term goals. And then there's a lot of waste. So making sure that you do make time for that right. important work time and happy and satisfying work time right. and minimizing the time for waste. So time crafting sort of pulls some of these strategies together, including bundling. Sorry, going back to your question. Yeah, including bundling. No, 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 it's good. It's good. So what is bundling? So bundling from the time tracking, you will identify there are things in my day that are not fun. They get those low happiness ratings, but you have to do them. And I'm sure you can like be like, what are the chores of your life? Grocery shopping. Grocery shopping. And is there a way, if you can't outsource it, which grocery shopping you actually... I don't like to outsource it, though. I'm using it because I think you get, like, shitty stuff when you give it to someone else to do. So for you, it's not something you're not willing to outsource. (laughs) Nope. Um, I don't like to outsource lots of stuff like that because I think (laughs) then people never care as much as you do, right? Right. And certain things are... Anyway, this is a whole other podcast, but, like... (laughs) You know, I like to go to Costco by myself. That's like, I think that's a great stress reliever, but how do I, I great. call my mom when I do it. Yeah. And so that's what bundling is for these activities that are not particularly fun, but you have to do them yeah. or you, you know, you're going to do them is bundling it with an activity that is fun. So, well, calling, is it fun? Sometimes it's not that fun calling my mom while I'm, but I get what you're saying. I think it's more bundling things you have to do together. Can that be bundling too? Um, it doesn't have Stacking. the positive effect. Okay. Um, that's, that's for sure. Okay. Um, go ahead. So okay. you actually are making the activity worse. worse. Um, whereas if you say you called a friend or you listen to, you know, a podcast habits and hustle, Right. And so you're learning. I was kidding, mom, by the way, but I just want to say that right <laughs> off the bat. She's gonna, I'm going to get a ton of people like, what do you mean? You don't like talking to your mom. I do love talking to my mom. Um, but my point is you want to do a positive activity with a, a chore that's kind of more looked at as not so positive. Yeah, because it makes that time fun. It right. makes it feel worthwhile. So, you know, I mentioned one of the things that people don't feel like they have time to do is read for pleasure. If... You listen to an audiobook right. every time you're going grocery shopping or you're getting in the car, you can actually get through a book every totally. week or so. And so that, you know, reading, it's wonderful. You learn, you're like increasing your empathy. Like I love to read and it's one of those things I don't feel like I have time to do, but I list I fill I yeah. bundle it with the times that are unfun and it makes me actually excited to go grocery shopping because I get to hear what's happening next in the book. Yeah. So exactly. I love that. And I think that's a really, I, when I read that it like resonated because I see that like I, I, and to be fair and be honest, what I do is I, I, I try to bundle probably not the way you kind of call it bundling, but, um, I do sometimes do that positive bundling but uh, sometimes I just bundle like the like things I have to do, kind of like I call it more it's more multitasking, I guess is what you're calling it, right? But yeah. or I call it. But that's a good idea. So then, like in your brain, are you saying that when you take the kind of chore like activity and you bundle it with 
uh, more of a positive thing to do. Does it change the neuro, like the way your well, brain? It changes how you experience it. That's what right. happiness is, is like how you feel in it and right. how you feel about it. On a, on a cellular level, does it actually make a difference or you don't know about that um, portion I of it all? I haven't looked yeah. at it at a cellular okay. level. I'm interested in the subjective experience because right. that's, that's what you do. Right. Um, that's and more so, of a neuroscience kind of question, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. But it makes it more fun. And that's like, if, if the goal is given that the goal is to make more of your hours feel worthwhile happier. and happier, then that's how you do it. Yeah. No, that's it makes one sense. of the strategies to do it. You talk also about, uh, the eulogy, which I can kind of, that is, that to me was a really good, I, I love that part because that would make, I think anybody kind of like stand up and think like rethink, right? Yeah. And it's going back to what you said, it's sort of reverse engineering. So it is leading you to think about your life overall. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. so what the assignment is and my students, well, anyway, it's, you know, like it's impactful and it's poignant. So what I have them do and what I, an exercise that I uh, share in the book is to imagine like at the end of your life. So imagine you live a long life, right. write the eulogy that you think would be given about you. And so what that leads you to do is write the life that you want to lead and what it pulls out. It's like, what are the ways that you, how do you want to be described? Mm -hmm. What legacy do you want to leave? Um, this is very valuable, right? Because yeah. it forces you to, the eulogy does force you to really think about those things. Totally. It yeah. clarifies what does matter to you. And so by having that very, you know, like defined for yourself, the things that matter to me, the things that matter that I am, the, those, that broad mm -hmm. perspective informs how you spend your hours, right? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. oh, this is, this is important to me. This is how I'm going to behave so that I am ultimately going to be living the life that I want to le live. So it's really empowering. So like some of my students are like, that is depressing, but really important. And then other students I've heard that it's really empowering because it shows you like shows many of us that we're actually already living in some ways, you know, our ideal self and our right. ideal life. And it also motivates us to do so. Like we have control, we have agency, we, you know, in, and how we how we spend our time, how we approach our time, um, such that we feel happier and more satisfied looking back. Because the goal is both to feel happy and satisfied in our days, but really so that we don't look back with a sense of regret. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I, I agree. I think people tend to feel, right, especially when you're young, that you have all the time in the world to do something, you know, like, oh, I'll do it later on, like we were talking earlier, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, having this, like, kind of having this kind of be brought to the forefront, I think, is really important, not just for, like, that's why I don't think this book is only for, like, or your your research. It's not just for people who are in their, you know, mid, like they're the lot, like 40 or above, right. It's for people who are younger who also, because it makes you think differently about how you do live your life and like how you do spend your time. Right. Yeah. And you, p there is like a finite amount of time we all have, whether you people like to think about it like that or not. Right. Yeah. So, and 
Yeah. And that's the goal. And that is what I have seen the impact of on my students Mm -hmm. of these lessons, as well as folks who have um, read the book uh, so far, is that it really does shift our approach to our days. And it's really, it is like existential, but very attainable. It's just, you know, how do we spend our time so that our days, so our hours, so that not only are we sort of reallocating towards these times that are really are like we need to do, they are like give us that sense of fulfillment, but also we're really invested while we're spending it so that it has as much of a wonderful impact as it can. So we do feel as much joy as possible, which is so often right there in front of us. And it's just like paying attention and, you know, spending the time on it. Right. Um, what was the most um, surprising piece of research that you found in when you did when you wrote the book? Well, I, I actually think the opening that I, I shared was that the answer to this frenzy is not to quit. Like, and I think that I think that too was very interesting. Um, yeah. And it's it's also notable, you know, in with the Great Resignation, um, the the last couple years have. I mean, it's interesting. I've been doing this research for a dozen years, um, but I used to have to like motivate. Like, happiness is important. Time is important. But actually, the last couple of years has shown us that we can't take our emotional well-being for granted. Like mm-hmm. with anxiety uh, rates going up, depression rates, it's like, oh, we need to take care of our emotional well-being. We Like happiness is important. We need to figure this out. Same with time. It's like it used to be that I would have to tell young people, old, as people get older, they do start to recognize that their time is precious and yes. they start to savor more. But what this has shown is young people, it's like, oh, like we also can't take our lives for granted. And so wanting to find that meaning and spending our time better. And that is what's, you know, driving, leading to this great resignation where people are like, oh, I'm going to quit my job. I know. Um, And I think that this, um, that our results, our data showing that actually having, you know, days wide open to spend however you want isn't necessarily the solution. It is given the time that you have, making sure that you do spend it in ways that feel worthwhile to you. So I also will say that among folks who do have a lot of discretionary time, if they spend it in ways that feel productive and purposeful, Mm -hmm. then actually you don't see this dip in satisfaction. So retirees Mm -hmm. who do volunteer work or who have a passion project or individuals who do are, are not working, but they spend time on hobbies that are personally enriching or really sort of connecting with folks in genuine ways. You don't actually see this dip. So really it's not about how much time we have. It's again, how we invest the time that we have. Absolutely. I also, what, why the whole idea though, like, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person, right? Because <laughs> is it because people who are just have too much time, do they just, do their brains just become like, they just become more. Well, the busy person, you know, that they will say yes, because they've said yes to all the other things that make them busy. But I think well, um, something in motion stays in motion. I feel like it's like the, yeah. Um, 
But that busy person, that's the person I'm talking to. I'm like, you need to be more purposeful and let you say yes to and making sure that you're protecting time for the really important stuff. Yeah. No, I love this. Uh, thank you. I think I, that was bait. Is there anything else that I've, uh, no, I, I think. I think we covered. One thing stuff. I wanted to ask you, um, commitment devices. What is that? That is um, with this recognition that um, it is very easy for us not to make the time for these moments of joy, mm, these activities okay. that are really important for us, um, is making sure, sort of having a commitment device to make sure that you do it. So an example here is, you know, again, going back to that sense of connection mm -hmm. that's so important um, with my husband. Like, we are great teammates, right? Like, we are... <laughs> both working, we're parenting, and we are doing it oftentimes in parallel. And with the, the busyness of things, it's very easy to sort of lose our sort At, of like oh yeah, it's very that easy. conversation yep. and connection. And so carving out the time for date nights where it is not about us being teammates, you know, doing it alongside each other. They're high-fiving each other as yeah. you like pass by. Yeah. As like sitting across the table and being like, how are you? Right. Partner, friend, love of my life. Um, but it's so easy not to do that. So an example of a commitment device is to pay for a standing babysitter who will show up at your house that day each week, whether you're in the mood or whether you feel like you have work or whether whatever. And they show up, you've already paid the money, so you are going to go out, and that's your commitment device. Because once you are out, or when we are out, even though I'm like, oh my God, do we have time for this? Once we're out, it's like, oh, this was so important. Yeah. Um, so that's an example of standing babysitter. Good. I like to, I, I wanted you to say that because I think that's important. I think you got to like put things in front of you to make, like sometimes you don't, you know, to make sure you actually do these things. Right. Like, right. So that's why I wanted you to say that, but... Um, anyway, so thank you. This was great. So how do people find you when the book is called happier hour and, uh, it's definitely worth picking up and reading and Cassie, if people want to know more or, or want to find you, what's the best thing if they're not a student at yeah. Anderson? I mean, my website, www.cassiemholmes.com. Um, I follow what I teach <laughs> and I'm not on social media. Um, Good for I you. Am, I am on LinkedIn, but I'm not, you won't find me in other places, but my website does have, um, shares about my research and then the book, Happier Hour, How to Beat Distraction, Expand Your Time and Focus on What Matters Most, pulls all of these learnings together. And um, so that's, that's how folks can learn more. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. This was great. Thanks. This was fun. Thank you. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast. Powered by Habitnest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. 
On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.